T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. A number of mayoral races around the Chicago area will be decided in next month's general elections. One of the biggest ones will be a battle over who will run Illinois' second largest city, Aurora. This weekend, you'll hear from all three candidates. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin is seeking a second term in the April 6th election. His first term has not lacked for challenges. There was a mass shooting at the Henry Pratt Company. And of course, there's the coronavirus pandemic that's taken the lives of some residents and devastated the local economy. Irvin is facing two challengers, and we've spoken with them and the incumbent in separate interviews. We talked with the challengers first, and first up will be Aurora Alderman Judd Lofshay. He's an attorney and a commercial real estate broker. I asked Lofshay what prompted him to run for the top office in the city at this time. Well, I've been an alderman for four years, and when the CFO gave us a presentation in the summer of 19, he said the city of Aurora is 1.1% billion dollars in debt with unfunded pensions and obligations and bonds. And when we did the budget this year, Craig, we have 11 million in interest and we have to go borrow 3 million to pay part of the 11. So it's just like, it has to stop and and somebody has to do it. And, And the current mayor wants to spend another 100 million on new projects that will have to be funded by the taxpayers, like $35 million on a new warehouse for cars and trucks, and $50 million to move the casino, which has like $500 million in the bank. Now, is private money going to uh, make up some of that? No. I mean, this is all just city money, and because the warehouse would be city-owned, there'd be no property tax, and because the casino would be in a TIF, there would be no property taxes to the uh, schools or the city for 23 years. Hmm. Now, before we get more into the budgetary parts of this, why are you the person who could step in and write this ship? Because I'm really the only one who's run a successful business. I mean, I have a law firm and a real estate firm and have for 25 years and have people that work for me. I have about 10 people now, so I know how to manage people. I know how to manage a budget and I know to live within my means. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that's basically it. And, I, and I've done it and I've been a good advocate for the last four years to, to stop the wasteful spending. 
to get three bids on things that we didn't use to, to, you know, not sign $500,000 contracts without a second or third bid and to not use national pricing contracts from Mesa, Arizona from two years, two years ago. Now, between the summer of 2019 and now, we have also had a pandemic that has really completely upended the area's economy. Uh, first off, how would you assess what the uh, urban administration has done to uh, basically confront all of the upheaval? So the city lost $21 million last year in 2020. So, you know, fortunately we got some money from the counties, Kane County, DuPage County to offset that. But what he hasn't done is provide us with adequate reserves. Right before the pandemic hit, we spent $10 million on vacant land by the outlet mall. So we used up all of our line of credit, and we weren't able to do enough for restaurants and businesses and people because, you know, we don't have the means. So we have done some things to help restaurants, businesses and people, but not in the magnitude of the 10 million here and the 7 million to buy two hotels and knock them down by the outlet mall. That's $17 million and they don't generate any property taxes. We spent that money and we should, we should have had it reserved to be able to help more people. So tell me what you would want to do and what you would have done to help more people during this, uh, this really challenging time. Right, so we had a fund for businesses, but I would make it easier to obtain the money. We made this pretty complicated with all kinds of tax returns and submit this and submit that. And, you know, anyone who applied for a PPP loan knew it didn't take long. So I would streamline that process. I would um, work with landlords more and tenants to try and, you know, get both of them more money because there's a moratorium on evictions. So tenants don't have to pay rent, but landlords have to pay mortgages and taxes. So I would try and get more money to the landlords for people who can't pay their rent. And I would really focus on jobs. We have some great manufacturing internships. I started a big networking group called Aurora Business United with 2,500 members, and we help people get jobs. If the people that are out of job could get a job, then they could go pay their rent. Now, some people would make the argument that spending the kind of money that the mayor has spent to attract business is an investment and that down the road, it will pay off. Does the city have to spend some money in order to bring that about? I think the city um, has to spend some money, but not the, not the magnitude of the money we've spent. And we need to vet these people coming in to do real estate projects better. We have five big real estate projects that total about $25 million Most of them were approved over two years ago, and we only have one building open, 20 apartments for an investment of 25 million. We used to have a facade program downtown Aurora, where if you wanted to fix this facade building, you would get $10,000. If you wanted to do uh, fix up the interior with major work, plumbing, electric, things like that, 
you would get a matching grant of 75,000. Now it's sort of a redevelopment agreement and it's very subjective. So people who, you know, and this is out in the news, people who have been given large campaign contributions are the ones getting the $3 million, $3 million, $12 million, these kind of things. And I introduced an ethics ordinance, which I got passed, um, and, but I wanted um, caps on contributions like Chicago and Cook County. If you've done business with the city, you can only get $1,500 for an election cycle, which is four years. We don't have that cap. So, you know, politicians in Aurora can get around it. The president of the company could give 6,000, the company 11, and, you know, it can spiral up to 30, 40,000, even 100,000. So I would do that. And then I would really work on the assets we have, Craig. We have an airport that we don't have someone running it. In my four years, we have a part-time person running it who retired. So now we have a part-time retired person running an airport, whereas Rockford and other airports get $5 million a year in grants. And we have a 40-mile fiber ring, high-speed internet around the city of Aurora. We could provide cheap um, or even free to those who can't afford it, high-speed internet to businesses and to individuals, students who need it. Um, I want to ask about one more thing. Uh, we only have a really a minute to uh, to talk about it, unfortunately, but that is the violence that uh, is, yeah. is there. And and we're not talking about what happened at the at the you know Pratt. plant, but but everyday stuff. And what more needs to be done? So our shootings are up forty percent and our murders have basically doubled. And we do not have collaborative leadership right now. We need to have the police meet with neighborhood groups, meet with churches, meet with nonprofit organizations and figure it out. We need to do that and we're not doing that. And there's sort of a gag order that the police are not allowed to talk to the aldermen. So that's not helping. And we need to have more COP officers out on the street so they can have a relationship. You know, if you get to know people, you know, we'll work together. And then the sheriff had a job fair in the summer of 19. He got 450 um, students and young people hired. And there was a quiet summer, he said. So we need to bring back our job fairs and get those people who don't have opportunities and jobs, jobs. So there won't be turning to gangs and violence. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're hearing from the candidates for mayor of West Suburban Aurora. You just heard from Alderman Judd Lofshay. The other challenger in this race is John Lash, a former East Aurora District School Board member. I asked him what prompted him to get into this race. It was a combination of things. Seeing what's happening on the national stage, being a nation divided, and seeing our city also divided along economic boundaries and feeling the need to put uh, people in place that can unite us. I also served on the Democratic Party platform committee this summer and pushed a number of climate amendments. Uh, one of them simply said that we believe we shouldn't be subsidizing fossil fuel industry. The U.S. taxpayers give the fossil fuel industry $20 billion a year. And I'm a climate activist, a green builder, and to me, this was a clear signal that not much was going to change on a national level. And so I wanted to see what I could do locally to make Aurora a Green New Deal city and put people to work, close the wealth gap, and move us aggressively towards 
uh, renewable energy and energy efficiency. Well, let's talk that, about that a little bit more because much of your economic development uh, platform revolves around green jobs and uh, being at the forefront of fighting climate change. So talk a little bit about what Aurora could do, you know, even as this national move continues. Sure. So municipalities have a role. Even look at the pandemic and how it unfolded. Oak Park was the first city to go uh, to shelter in place. It wasn't the state or the federal government that did it. So uh, it's a totally appropriate for a city to lead. The city of Vermont, uh, Burlington, Vermont has 100% renewable power. Uh, LA is aggressively pursuing a Green New Deal. There are cities that are doing this. The reason it's a, a perfect fit for Aurora is because we have a lot of old housing stock that can be made energy efficient. Uh, I live in a 116 year old home that I've made 80% more energy efficient. And I think I'm thinking long-term as a movement uh, towards this direction to address the climate crisis. We need to show people that this isn't something scary or forced, it's a way to save money. So I save a ton of money on my heating and cooling bills and I don't even have solar panels up, but I'm going to. And, uh, and, and I think when people say that this is an investment where we're putting your tax money back into your house or your business, and you're saving money and benefiting off of this, I think it's going to take hold and people are going to recognize the value of it. And that's what needs to happen. So it's not some arcane thing about climate change, global warming, greenhouse gases, things people don't understand because it's not affecting their lives yet. But for the things that do affect the lives, the homes, the, uh, the vehicles, for example, yes, people are making individual decisions, but your, your, your uh, program also talks about shifting the industry of this area? Sure. Well, that's the key, is if, if we have uh, a Department of Sustainability that helps people find the resources to make their houses more energy efficient, if we're pursuing this aggressively, a lot of the industry is going to come here. We're going to get the window companies, insulation companies. I've already started talking to some uh, an insulation company that's in a nearby area. And... Um, you know, the, the door companies, there's some building components. Hopefully we get even a, a solar manufacturer that wants to come here and set up shop, right? That's the ideal world. And, um, you know, we might even look at electric cars and putting in charging stations. Does that mean that we're going to get uh, one of those light manufacturers here that produces those electric uh, charging stations? We can't say that yet, but that would be the goal, right, is to be first, invest heavily, and create a marketplace that makes uh, some light manufacturing companies want to set up shop here in Aurora. Now, is there not a danger, though, in putting so many eggs in one basket? Even, I mean, you know, if we look at the east side of Aurora, which is very heavy uh, retail, and when we have a year that nobody could have predicted, like we just had, all of a sudden there's a big hit. Is, is there not a danger in focusing on just the green economy? The, the mayor has to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, and I'm capable of doing that. Actually, the issue I think that this has is, is on a lot of people's minds right now is our elevated crime rates. So I see this as going hand in hand as part of the solution, creating more economic opportunities. The ACLU released a figure saying 79% of the crime in Illinois 
are crimes of survival, which is during tough economic times, we've had carjackings, people, you know, theft. And if we offer people better paying jobs, job training for the future, we're addressing crime and creating economic opportunities for people uh, slip through the cracks, people that might have a criminal record or re-entering society. We want to give training to these people so they don't go back to that life of crime. Uh, so I think it's a way to do that. Now, I want to talk about the empty buildings because you brought it up. Mm -hmm. I have not made a lot of promises towards pe to people because we don't know what retail is going to look like um, as we move out of the pandemic. Uh, I think people are ready to go back to shopping, they're ready to go back to dining out. And we want to support those businesses that have temporarily shut their doors and uh, make sure that they can uh, reopen when the rest of the economy reopens. But I haven't been making a lot of promises for the empty buildings. One unique solution that fits in with the, um, you know, it, it, it might take a couple of years before we get a window company, a door company that's, you know, producing triple pane uh, windows. But in the meantime, I do want to look at what we can do to develop a local food economy and do some urban farming. Other cities are doing this where they're using old abandoned buildings to grow food. And if we find either the right nonprofit or the right uh, business that wants to try that here in Aurora, I think it's an excellent opportunity. And it reduces your carbon footprint. Instead of running a tractor, you're <laughs> growing inside. There, there might be um, some lighting, you know, UV lighting that you have to bring into the building. But um, ultimately, I, I think it's something that we wanna try here as a way to use up some of that retail space, maybe put a, a restaurant in the front where you can, uh, or a grocery store where you can buy fresh food or enjoy it um, with your burger. Let me uh, switch gears a little bit and ask you what you think that uh, the incumbent mayor, Richard Irvin, has either done wrong or failed to do in your estimation in shepherding the city in general and through the coronavirus pandemic. First, let me just say, I don't, I'm not running a, a negative campaign. I want to recognize the work that's been done to rebuild our downtown. I would have done things differently. I would have pushed for more energy efficiency in those uh, buildings that have come back to life. Uh, but I feel it's important to recognize the work of the people that have come before you and, um, and, and not to be too negative. Uh, there are some differences. You know, I'm, I'm not a pay to play guy. I'm running my campaign all with small dollar donations, not taking any money from people doing business with City Hall. And um, I, I'm not a big TIF person either. I, I think that small targeted incentives to uh, making some of these projects happen that are on a 23 year deal is a better avenue to go. With respect to that, you asked about the coronavirus. Um, I do think in these debates, we've raised the idea of having some of our city employees. Um, going out early and helping businesses find the resources coming out of the federal government. There's a new bucket of money coming. It's going to have uh, certain things that it's allotted for. But having city employees actively engaged, um, helping landlords and tenants find emergency rental assistant resources, um, utility assistance resources, and the small business recovery assistance. And it's going to be helping them fill out those forms. They did, there was a, a protester downtown and made note that some of these applications weren't in Spanish. We have a heavy Latino population. And because of his protests and calling the city out, they now have those applications in both English and Spanish. But it's a more pro proactive approach to try and bring those resources into the households that need the assistance during the pandemic. Um, other than that, I think 
um, perhaps working with the businesses to have more outdoor dining. Some of our neighboring cities like Plainfield uh, put up barriers um, and then allow the sidewalks to be used during the summertime. I think some of that stuff probably could have been done uh, pretty, pretty easily. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're hearing from the candidates for mayor of West Suburban Aurora. You just heard from businessman John Lash. We caught up with the incumbent mayor, Richard Irvin, at a city mass vaccination event for Aurora's sizable Latinx community. Since he's trying for a second term, it was fair to ask Irvin about what a tumultuous first term he's had. You know, I have um, was talking to my staff the other day, and we just realized that... I've got a four-year term as mayor, and of the four years, you know, half, more than half of them, I've been in crisis mode, whether it's been Pratt, the um, mass shooting that, that killed five of our, our workers here in Aurora and seriously wounded five of our employees, and a year later, we had uh, COVID-19 and a pandemic that rocked our city and the whole world, and then during that pandemic, we had, you know, civil unrest that uh, destroyed and caused so much damage to our downtown that have been working so hard to, to, uh, to rebuild over the last four years. Uh, and then because of the pandemic and the shutdown and having to stay home, our finances, you know, uh, were challenged because the revenue that we normally experience, we weren't getting because our malls were shut down, our, our theater shut down, our casino shut down, all of our, our revenue uh, sources shut down. So that affects our ability to, you know, function as a city and uh, balance our budget. And in order to do all of that, you've had to take extraordinary action to get through. And we'll talk about the, uh, the, the, the violence aspect in a little bit, but let's talk about the economic uh, struggles that uh, Aurora has had because of coronavirus and how successful do you think you have been in bringing the city back? Oh, man, I think we've been extremely successful from, you know, from the very beginning when uh, coronavirus entered uh, in this country and, and uh, we had governors uh, and from all around the country, you know, talking about, and our healthcare professionals talking about how it would affect our country, how it would affect their states and our governor, how it would affect Illinois. And, uh, you know, I Im- immediately stepped up as a leader of the second largest city of the state, of the s- second largest city of the state of Illinois, Aurora. And, and said, look, we've got to protect each other. And, and by protecting each other, unfortunately, that means we've got to shelter away from each other. So from the very beginning, I've always talked about safety and making sure we look out for each other, which means we, uh, unfortunately, you know, had to, you know, stay away from each other. When the mask mandate came out, I talked about the importance of wearing masks. As a matter of fact, I went out and got half a million masks donated to the city of Aurora, you know, and we had mask giveaways you know, uh, and, and so many, so many events to make sure that people had what they needed to be protected, the PPE, uh, that they needed to be protected. And then now uh, that the, uh, the viruses, oh, let me take a step back. Uh, our businesses were struggling, so we came up with a financial program to provide, to provide lo- uh, grants uh, to our businesses, you know, ranging up sometimes up to, you know, $50,000, $25,000, and they could apply a number of times. I think we set aside three and a half million dollars for our businesses here in Aurora, you know, to be able to, you know, survive because they were struggling. And then when vaccines came out, then we took it up on our own. We took our, we, you know, we took the bull by the horns and, you know, said we're going to be the masses of our own destiny. And we made relationships with 
corporations like Osco Drug and Walgreens and said, we'd like to partner in, in Kane County and DuPage County Health Departments and VNA, we'd like to partner with you to uh, get vaccines to our residents. And I'm one of the only mayors in the in the uh, in this whole area that actually is is providing vaccines for our residents. And at this point, we've got almost 10 percent of our adult population uh, vaccinated. And, um, you know, we've done this on our own. But the kind of expenditures that you've had to make to offer grants to uh, to companies uh, to keep the restaurants going and the other businesses, what kind of an impact is that going to have going forward on how much money the city has to do anything? It, it, is, it is a huge impact, you know, when we take $3.5 million out of our budget and out of the programs that we normally run and we give it to our businesses. But then we had a choice. Either we help our businesses or our businesses fail. And if they fail then Aurora, you know, ultimately fails. If we don't have any businesses providing the tax dollars we need, then we won't be able to function as a city. So we had to make a choice. We had to balance it and say, look, we have got to forego a lot of the things that we normally do as a city over the next year so we can we can provide support for our businesses that that make sure that we function as a as a municipality. Is that going to mean that some things that had been on the books that uh, had you had planned looking forward uh, are going to have to be put aside for a while. I know uh, uh, Alderman Lafshay, uh complained about a proposal to m- move the casino from downtown uh, to a north side of the... Uh, are things like that going to have to wait? There are a number of programs and initiatives that will definitely wait. But, you know, th- that's economic development, so that's a little bit different. So when we talk about a business um, relocating or, or, or investing in our community and in any type of incentives that we provide, they create what's called an increment. So any monies that, that uh, the casino uh, will uh, uh, share with the city of Aurora as far as incentives or any incentives that the, the city may give casino, we get back in a, that and then some as a return on our investment because the casino creates an increment, creates a growth in our economy. So our support for the casino and their growth will, in a short, very short time, in another year, you know, provide even more income to us than the casino is providing now. So what are the things that are going to have to be uh, at least delayed, if not put off? Well, hiring new employees. Um, you know, over the last year, we've had a lot of attrition, you know, folks, a lot of retirement, folks saying, hey, you know, there's been a, you know, a world pandemic going on where, you know, a lot of folks are dying. You know, it's time for me to retire. And, you know, if they're eligible, they can retire. So, you know, that's more money we've got to pay into the pensions because we got more people retiring. You know, we've got, you know, folks, unfortunately, that passed away here in the city of Aurora. We've got to, and instead of replacing these retired folks and the folks that have left or, unfortunately, the ones that have passed away to, to COVID, you know, we, don't, we can't replace them. So we're, we're running on a skeleton crew, you know, bare bones. And until we get relief from our federal government, you know, and in a relief package, CARES Act and the other acts that are going to be coming down until we get that relief, we're not going to be able to replace these people. And because of that, you know, we've been able to save money in, in, our, in our budget. I do want to talk about public safety, but I have to address one thing that was raised by Alderman Lafshay. He suggested that big donors to your campaign get big contracts. What is your answer to that? Well, that's just ludicrous. I, I mean, that's, that's silly. And he knows that as an alderman, because the fact is, I don't vote on the contracts given to uh, these businesses. Aldermen vote on it. I don't have a vote at all. 
<laughs> so, so, and and even before it gets the alderman, it goes through a, a stringent procurement process. We're a city government, you know, so people have to bid on these contracts. And once they get the bid, then it has to go through finance and it has to go to city council where 12 people scrutinize it and then vote on it. I don't have a vote. So I can't simply just give a contract to someone. It has to go through the, the regular normal processes. So that's that's just asinine. Now let's talk about public safety because not just mass shootings. There's been public safety concerns in Aurora and, and the, the suburbs in general for quite a while. What can what more can be done uh, about that? Well, as I told you, that um, crime, is, crime is up across this country based on, you know, what's been going on in COVID and people being on lockdown and people losing their jobs. You know, I'm not make, I make no excuses for it. Uh, and I make no excuses for the crime, increase in crime here in the city of Aurora, but we have got to address it. As I told you, that we um, uh, have not been replacing or hiring any employees if, to fill new positions. The only the only exception is on our police department and fire department because we're in a public health crisis. So we need our firemen and our, you know, and we need our policemen to, to do the jobs that, you know, that we require as a, as a community. So we want to shore up our police department. We want to shore up our community outreach. We want to get our police back into the community doing community, you know, community outreach, policing, COP officers community-oriented police officer. We haven't been able to do that because we haven't been able to, you know, be around each other because of the pandemic. But as we come out of this over the uh, over the next couple months with uh, the more people being administered the vaccine, we're going to get our police back out in the community. We're going to get our community outreach folks, our neighborhood outreach people back in the community. And we're going to, you know, identify problems, you know, before they start and be proactive instead of reactive to crime here in Aurora. That was Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin, and I'd like to thank him for talking with us, and thanks as well to his two challengers, John Lash and Judd Lachey. Election Day is April 6th, and there will be quite a lot going on at the polls that day. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also find our podcast on radio.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.